Good morning, church. Hear the word of the Lord from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, starting with verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you'll bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul magnifies, sorry, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant. For now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. Hope you're doing well today. So good to be together with all of you this morning, and as we come to this day that we set apart for rest and for corporate worship. That's what we do on Sunday. We set it apart as the Lord's Day, as Sabbath day, to rest, to worship, in community together. And it's so right to do so. I love how lately it feels so much more like Christmas is almost here. I don't know about you guys, but Christmas is the best. I found something out recently. 
Some people like Christmas more than others, but in particular, I think Mariah Carey loves Christmas the most. I found out that every year she makes around $2 million at Christmas time because of that one song. You know, that's what you guys are all talking about, right? That's one song, on royalties from that song, she makes almost $2 million a year. Isn't that crazy? So she really likes Christmas too. But even more so, even for us, we might not be making $2 million a year at Christmas time, but what a joyous occasion. What joy that we possess that the fullness of time God promised he would come and he came to make a way for us. Christmas is fun because we get to eat good food, we get to celebrate with our family, we get presents, we do all that good stuff, but please, please always remember that God promised he would come at just the right time he came. He did everything needed for our salvation, everything needed for us to know him and to know his love. And he's coming again to make all things right and new. I love Christmas. Last night, my family drove around this neighborhood in North Raleigh that had these awesome Christmas lights set up, right? Now, mind you guys, you've always seen those Christmas houses that have like that one house where you can like tune your radio and has like a cool light show. Those are awesome. But this house had a whole street. It was epic. It had like, not just houses lit up, but it had like lights from house to house over the street. So it had like a, almost like a canopy feel to it. Right? It was pretty awesome. And I loved it. I was like, oh, I got to turn on some Christmas music, had the radio on, had like Nacking Cole or Frank Sinatra singing some Christmas songs. I was, I was a happy man. It made me long and eagerly anticipate Christmas even more so. This morning, our scripture is looking into Mary's call and her response to the news of her pregnancy. And there's so much good stuff there. You may not be aware of this, but I often ask the staff, to help me prepare the sermons. We'll get them together. I'll ask them, what are your thoughts? Give me some ideas, some illustrations. In particular, I often ask Tony and Erica their thoughts and their insights into scriptures, into themes, into just how they perceive certain things, what they've received in the passage. Since this passage today we're focused, focuses on Mary and Elizabeth, I thought it'd be good to have them share some of what they're learning through this passage. In particular, I thought it fitting that Tony share first because it happens to be about two pregnant women and Tony is pregnant. Right? She let me announce that. I got her permission. That wasn't like a, that wasn't like, what did you just say, Lawrence? I'm not that foolish, okay? I might be, but this time I wasn't. I made sure I got permission from Tony. So this might be a little different today, but what I want to do is I want, what I, whom I typically go to for insight and thoughts has such good insight into this topic, specifically being from a pregnant woman about pregnant women. I would love for you to hear from them. So I'm gonna invite Tony to come up first. Stage. everyone. So I'm Tony. I'm the director of kids ministry here if we haven't got a chance to meet yet. But I wanted to start out by sharing just some fun facts maybe about me. So I am one of three girls. So I have two older sisters and I had what like most of us would experience as the youngest child maybe. So some of you might identify with some of these things. So maybe things like 
being called the wrong name every other day or fighting over mirror space in the bathroom or this one's a little personal, but when your sisters and your cousins want to do the Spice Girls and for anybody younger, there's five Spice Girls and five girl cousins, but they chose to have four Spice Girls simply because I was not allowed to participate. So those are daily struggles, some may understand. And I've also been always curious about my own birth story. So in true youngest fashion, asking my mom, you know, some details, not many details remembered, maybe not, not even what time I was born. Where is my birth certificate actually located? Nobody knows, it's gone. Apparently, I wasn't even in my parents' will until last year. So is there any proof that like I was born and not just like floated from the sky like the Grinch from How the Grinch Stole Christmas? N not sure. So while my birth may have been forgettable, I want to spend some time talking about the most memorable birth in all of history. And I'm, I'm honored to be up here and to share with you guys about Mary and Elizabeth alongside of Erica and Lawrence. Uh, as, I, as I read this passage in commentaries, what really stood out to me is that we have the benefit and the privilege of 2,000 years of church history and church theologians who have unpacked this passage for us and really looked at the big picture. So in light of Jesus's birth, death, life, resurrection, and his full deity. So I want to take a different approach today and let Luke lead us into the shoes of Mary and Elizabeth instead of looking at the, the lens through the big picture. And I really think that doing this is going to help us see just the tenderness of God and learn from the example of Mary's simple faith. Pregnancy is a time full of unknowns and it really puts our just lack of control on display. I feel like this, and I know that if I did, then Mary probably did too. I, I think about how she lived during a time of very few medical advancements, and her life circumstances were out of her control in so many ways. And Mary had this simple faith, though, that allowed her to be obedient despite all of those questions that she probably had. And there's a detail that I, I love in the text. It was right at the end that Rebecca read. Um, it's verse 56. It says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is after the angel has appeared, Elizabeth's about six months along in her pregnancy, and even after Mary's song of praise. It may kind of seem like a throwaway verse, but I see God that in his kindness, he gave Mary Elizabeth who is a little bit further along in this surprise, unlikely pregnancy situation. Mary was also likely there for John's birth as well. And I have no idea what it would be like to prepare for a newborn during this time, but I just imagine Elizabeth and Mary like making baby clothes and Elizabeth giving Mary advice about her nausea, maybe even whittling a little Sophie giraffe out of wood together. There was no what to expect when you were expecting book or video classes about how to get a baby to go to sleep. Mary learned from Elizabeth. Now, I don't think that they were companions solely for logistical purposes, but I think that God gave them each other so that they could share in the joy that they were experiencing during this season together. We saw in the text that Mary 
when Elizabeth greets Mary, she's pumped, right? Verse 42 says that Elizabeth exclaims with a loud voice. She gives a loud, a glad cry. And the verb here in the Greek, which is used, is anaphaneo, which isn't used anywhere else in the New Testament, but it's used in the Old Testament in the Greek translation called the Septuagint. And it's used in situations of worship and praise. So she's sharing in the joy and the praise of God that Mary is experiencing and proclaiming right alongside with her. Glory to God for this miraculous birth. Elizabeth's greeting is evidence of Mary being filled with the Holy Spirit. The text says that. A prophetic word is given to Elizabeth and she gives it to Mary about the life that's in her womb. God is so tender to me that he gives Mary a friend and a helper to be with her during all the unknowns. He gives her an encourager and in a way that multiplies her joy. God doesn't leave her alone to wonder about all these things. I can see from this, and I hope you can too, that, that those around us are a gift to us. How often do we get to experience God's goodness through just the people around us day to day? God gives us community graciously, and it's an honor to press into those who are around us. So secondly, we can also see Mary's simple faith in her response to the angel. The text is clear that Mary is a poor young woman in a humble position in life, and she responds to God with what she has, which is her joyful obedience. In the NLT, Mary says, may everything you have said come true about me. Her response feels like eager excitement to me, and I think it points us to God. Of course, Mary is in an honored position as God's mom, as Jesus' mom, but Mary is like us in so many ways, too. And I love how Daryl Bach, uh, the commentator, puts it, and the quote is on the screen. It says, here is the reason for both her honor and her praise. God the Almighty has done great things on her behalf. Generations will see her as an example of a simple human touched by divine power and presence. But it is God who is unique, as her declaration of his holiness makes clear. He is the one set apart who is worthy of praise. I love how he says that she's a simple human touched by divine power and presence. And God gives this honor to a simple, normal girl, and it puts his name on display. So remember how I mentioned that I wanted us to take a step into this narrative. Well, I think that we can enter the narrative of Jesus' birth in a really similar way that Mary does. Even though we might not be giving birth to the Savior of the world, we can enter into this narrative with simple, joyful faith. Mary is a model to me because I've spent a lot of this pregnancy being honestly fearful and really nervous. And I think that the fear and nervousness is a normal part of the process, but I don't want to be controlled by it and have it take away from the joy that is available to me during this season. I want to have the mindset of Mary and to be able to celebrate God's worth, God's work, and to trust him as I walk in daily obedience and ultimately be able to say with Mary, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything that you've said about me come true. And I hope that we all can experience saying that together. So I'm going to pass the mic off to Erica.
I should probably begin by saying I don't have any big announcements. Uh, Tony is pregnant. I'm much older than Tony, but that is where the similarities end in the story. So, but I'm very happy for Tony and Pat, and I'm really happy to be able to share with you guys today. There are some books and movies that I love so much that I wish I could erase my memory and experience them again for the first time without any preconceived ideas. And this is one of those stories for me. This amazing window into the life of Mary that Luke alone gives us. Mark and John start their gospels with Jesus and John the Baptist, fully grown adults. Um, Matthew gives us a little bit, but only through Joseph's perspective. But Luke gives us this long narrative that begins with Zechariah and Elizabeth um, figuring out that even though they're well past childbearing age, they're going to be recipients of a miraculous birth that they've waited for, just like Abraham and Sarah many, many years ago. Um, We see Zechariah's disbelief, Elizabeth's marvel that her shame is finally lifted, And then the story shifts, and we get a little snapshot of Mary. Now, Luke, at the beginning of his gospel, says that his intention is to write a thorough account. At this point, there's several stories going around, and he wants to um, get eyewitnesses' perspective and put a thorough account of all that's taken place. Um, So most scholars believe um, he probably interviewed Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, and uh, His gospel contains stories that only she would know. Um, Jesus being dedicated at the temple uh, when Jesus was 12 years old and Joseph and Mary were scared to death, uh, thinking he was lost, and they find him um, again in a temple, amazing scholars with his knowledge, uh, things that a mother would treasure in her heart. And we can't know for sure, but I love the idea of Mary, older in age, after Jesus' resurrection, knowing him now as her God and Savior, looking back and remembering um, when he was just her tiny baby boy, when even when she was pregnant. Um, Whenever I read, whenever I've read about the story in the past, I've focused more on Mary's interaction with Gabriel. Um, In fact, I remember hearing the story as a child in church being read at Christmas, and I prayed to God and said, please, Never, ever send an angel to tell me anything. I thought I might literally die of fear if an angel burst into my room to tell me something. So he has, he has honored that prayer. I've never had an angel come and tell me anything. I mean, now I kind of think it might be cool, even though I'd be probably still terrified. Um, but um, as I got a little older, I thought more about kind of what that interaction meant, uh, kind of the things that Tony just shared with us, that beautiful story of Mary's humble response. And in recent years, I've been more interested in uh, kind of what comes next, Mary's song of praise that's referred to as the Magnificant, um, from the word magnify. Um, our version today said glorify, a lot of versions say magnify. Um, And it's one of the most famous songs in all of Christendom. It's been sung and chanted um, in many traditions for hundreds of years. Um, If you go on Spotify, you'll see a lot of modern Christian artists have put it to music. Um, And today I'd just like to share a few insights as I've looked at it, kind of studied it uh, recently that stood out to me. Um, First of all, 
Um, when I looked closely at it, I found some of Mary's words kind of shocking. Verses like, he has scattered those who are proud. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. When I slowed down to read it, it sounded a little feistier than I was expecting, especially um, when she speaks of justice. Mary's expecting this child of hers, the promised one, to come and make things right, to reverse the great injustices she daily sees and experiences. And when I was thinking about those injustices, I was thinking about a movie called The Nativity Story. I don't know if some of you have seen it. It came out in 2006. Um, side note, Oscar Isaacs, who plays Poe Dameron in the Star Wars movies, is Joseph. It was his first big break. But uh, anyway, it's a good movie. And like the creators of The Chosen, the creators of this movie really wanted to, they studied history, wanted to set the scene of what life in Palestine would have been like in that time. And um, I think watching that was the first time it really hit me. There's scenes where tax collectors go um, to the residents' houses, and if they can't pay their taxes, people have to give away their livestock and even their children into slavery. And um, those were the kind of injustices that Mary would have seen. So those are the rich that she wanted to see um, sent away empty-handed, and her people were the the poor, the hungry, that she wanted to see filled with good things. And um, the Bible has several examples of, of women who sing songs or pray prayers that cry out for justice like this. In fact, much of Mary's song mirrors Hannah's prayer when she discovered, after years of barrenness, that she was pregnant with Samuel. And here's a sample of Hannah's prayer from 1 Samuel um, chapter 2. My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord, in the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies. My delight is in your deliverance. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who is barren has borne seven children. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Hannah's son Samuel will grow up and anoint King David, um, from whose line Jesus will come. And I think it's fascinating that Hannah's prayer was written about, or this time would have been prayed about a thousand years before Mary's, and yet they're still longing for the, the true anointed one who will come and reverse um, injustice, reverse pain, reverse death. Um, if you were here for our study of Judges, you might remember that the whole um, chapter 5 of Judges is Deborah's song of justice. Um, and it's a song after Jael's um, brave and shocking actions bring justice to the Hebrew people. In verse 24, Deborah sings, The most blessed of women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Her hand reached for the tent peg, her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera, she shattered his head. So much feistier than the Mary song. Um, and then likewise, Miriam, after God had parted the Red Sea and brought his people to freedom, led the women with tambourines and dancing, declaring God's justice. But the Magnificat is not just about justice. It's also a song of celebration. 
In modern America, we sometimes tend to focus only on Mary's struggles, pitting her as a poor, young, unwed, pregnant teen. And she was all of those things. And there's a lot to ponder about the humble way God chose to enter our world. Um, But she is also very, very happy and very honored by this privilege. She begins her song, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Her joy is so evident, and that is something I haven't fully considered until recently. In fact, this whole scene is kind of bursting with joy. You know, John is leaping inside of Elizabeth's womb. Elizabeth cries out in a loud voice. Mary burst into song. And it's good for me to remember this joy. Um, hold on a second. The Magnificat reminds me of the already not yet nature of Advent. We can have joy even as we wait in a world where everything has not yet been made right. There's still hunger, there's still injustice, and sometimes it feels like the darkness is closing in. But Jesus has come, and he's coming again, so we can trust his words when he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And through his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his resurrection, the sending of his spirit, and the establishment of his church, we get to be a part of that kingdom. And we can be a part of bringing joy and hope and peace and love and Christ-like justice until he comes back. And everything that is sad becomes untrue. And this is cause for joyous celebration. I hope I can remember that this season. And now Lawrence is going to come up and wrap us up. Thank you, Erica and Tony. So good to hear about and see the, the tenderness of God providing Mary with Elizabeth. There's often this throwaway verses, and I say throwaway verses, because I don't really mean throwaway verses, but the often perceived throwaway verses, and you can see such intentionality in the scriptures, such beauty. She provided, God provided Mary Elizabeth during this crazy time in her life. And the intentionality of, of her song, where it referred to justice over and over again to show that the king that is coming is a king of justice. To show that what Mary is celebrating is not just any king, not just another ruler, because every ruler that she's ever known or even read about has failed. This is a king that's gonna rule in justice. I love seeing that in this song we see that we can trust God in this season of the already and not yet. Now guys, Erica used that phrase, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a theology phrase, that's a, that's a phrase that was often thrown around, that this idea that we're living in this time period right now where the kingdom is here. Jesus came, when he came, he inaugurated his kingdom. He started his kingdom, he announced the kingdom is here. 
He pronounced the announcement of his kingdom. It is coming. But here's the thing. The kingdom is not fully consummated yet. The kingdom has not fully come to its completion yet. And this is this in-between stage that we're living in right now where the kingdom is advancing. It is moving forth. It is growing and advancing. And in this time period, we live in the already but not yet. What that means, though, is that one day it will be the time. It will no longer be not yet. It will be now. And when it's now, that means that all things that are wrong will be made right. All the tears that are shed will be wiped away. All that is broken, all that seems accursed, we've made into a new creation. It's where the wolves and the lions lie down with the sheep. It's where our swords are turned into plowshares. It's new creation. It's what we long for, the kingdom of God. But till that day, that day is coming, but till that day, we don't sit around and be like, hmm, when's it coming? We don't sit around and say, um, you know, I'm kind of bored, God, what, what do I do in this time period? We reply like Mary replied, with simple faith, and say, God, may your will be done, and may I be a part of your story. My people, this Christmas season, I want you to see the joy, the hope, the peace, the love that came. And may we sing the way Mary did in this already but not yet season. May we sing, sing the way Mary did. May we respond and put ourselves into the story the way Mary did by saying, yes, whatever I have, yes, God, whatever your will, yes, God, whatever it means, in this season of already not yet, I will be a part of it. It's simple faith that allows us to be a part of a great work. That's how we enter the story, is by saying, yes, let me do. So in this time, in this stage, God, where still wrong is happening, injustice exists, in this time where still hurts are happening, people are crying, there are wounds being made, still in this time where we see that the world is broken, we say, God, I will enter into your story. I'll be part of the solution that you've made to advance your kingdom so that that not yet happens soon. Simple faith, I believe that he is coming back. He is doing a work and he is using you. Isn't that incredible? God promised he would come to bring salvation to his people. At just the right time he came, and he's coming again to make all things right and new. That is Advent. That is what we celebrate. My people, you're a part of the story. At Waypoint Church, we have a, a line that we like to throw around that there is no bench. Do you, guys, you guys heard that before, there is no bench? The idea is at Waypoint is if you're part of the team, you're playing in the game. You're part of something bigger. If you're part of the team, you're not just sitting on the bench and waiting for Michael Jordan to score all the points. Right? You're called to play in the game. My people, during this season, may you be reminded that you're playing in the game. God's called you to something so incredible. So Amazing. May you reply the way Mary replied, with simple faith. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for your tenderness and your goodness. God, we thank you for 
your justice and your righteousness. God, we thank you that your kingdom is here, but it's not yet. But we know that not yet will be soon. God, we know that one day all will be made right and all will be made new. But till that day, thank you that we're called to this story and to this work together to be kingdom advancers. So that one day, every tear will be wiped away and all will be made new. So thank you for calling us to be a part of that story. May we respond with simple faith, believing you are who you say you are, and we are called to do what you call us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.